Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. This is the Bills Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bills Wire editor, Nick Woten. Hey there, welcome into the show. Uh, right off the bat, I know I speak for Nick when I say that we appreciate all of our listeners. You know, there's a lot of places to get your Bills content, and we appreciate each and every one of you. If you're new to the pod, maybe you came across it online in a Bills Wire article. Uh, just want to let you know, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search the Bills Wire podcast. Subscribe, leave us a review, tell a friend. Uh, I know that would mean the world to us, right, Nick? We're here in year two of this show already. It's felt like longer, and we're trying to grow a little following. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The more the merrier, folks. The more the merrier. We'll take all the subscriptions we get. And and that was the uh, pleasantry part of the program this week, Nick. And now let's talk about the freaking football team. Uh, the Bills, they laid an egg in the opener, right? There's no other way to put this. They laid an egg at home to the Steelers. This is not quite how we envisioned our Super Bowl contending team to look in week one, I don't think, right? Because the offense, which is where I want to start, shot themselves in the foot penalties or terrible calls on fourth down or whatever you want to call it. It just was a bad, bad day and a painful day. Right. And just, it was, they laid an egg. I don't know how else we could put it. No, that's, that's pretty much it. The only preference, the only like uh, asterisk, I guess is the word I'm looking for that uh, we could say is technically they did put points on the board. You know, you say lay an egg, it's like shut out, but right, they, right. They it wasn't, bro- a, goose egg. It wasn't and, a goose egg. And like, like you think of, um, you know, the Cowboys last week, he, getting that moral victory against the Bucks, you know, like the Browns got that moral victory against the Bucks, but the Bills got the moral loss by just getting smoked, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, just, uh, and even I'm wrong there. They didn't get smoked. They're in the game, but I guess, you know, it's such a lackluster moral loss for, for all purposes, really. Yeah, it was painful. And we wanted, you know, we wanted Josh Allen and the offense to look like Dak Prescott and that Cowboys offense look. They looked awesome. <laughs> That's what you expect with the Bills coming in with Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, but I think it really, it started up front. The offensive line really got manhandled by Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, right? Nick, like, there's no other way to put it. I mean, it, we could talk about the team kind of rotating in Cody Ford and Ike Bodiger early, but I thought it was the tackles, Daryl Williams and Deion Dawkins, guys that we're usually not too worried about. Those guys kind of got their asses handed to them a little bit. You know, Dawkins had three holding penalties. That was a problem for the line all day long, all the holding penalties. Uh, it was just a tough day against... A really good Steeler pass rush, and if we were rooting for T.J. Watt not to play, maybe he needed a little bit of time to shake off the rust. Uh, no, he looked pretty good. He was ready to go, and I thought up front is just where it all broke down, right? I mean, the Steelers were just wrecking havoc, and Allen was uncomfortable, and and we got what we got. Yeah, and pretty much uh, it right there, Ryan. It's uh, It came down to that Bills offensive line, and they did not win that battle, and we said last week, and the Bills even said earlier this week, they made – a comment how they think that Deion Dawkins has recovered from his COVID bout. He's back in football shape. Well, it certainly did not look like it with those three holding calls. That's true. That's you did really bring that up, how he was kind of huffing and puffing a little bit in the preseason. Yeah, it just it was going to be a tough test. Uh, with um, I thought that they were going to put T.J. Watt. I, keep, I always want to say J.J., but it's T.J. Watt. Um, they, I thought they were going to put him over the top of Deion Moore, but they, they just mostly ran their usual – little uh him on the other side facing uh Darrell Williams and Melvin Ingram was really the one all three holding penalties I believe were against Melvin Ingram on the other side who was a good player in his own right uh as well but you you'd think the all pro sack leader from last year they're gonna let test the other side but nope and 
to Watts credit, he didn't really even need to face Dawkins to have a good day anyway. So. Right, right, yeah. And, you know, the Steelers are a tough team to run on. I don't know if the Bills were ever going to have a great running day from their backs, but to see Zach Moss be inactive was a little bit of a surprise, I think, to say the least, right? I mean, we really expected them, you know, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary to be kind of the one-two punch in the backfield. I don't know if this was a message that McDermott was sending or what's going on with Zach Moss, but was that a surprise to you, Nick, that he was inactive? Oh, yeah, it's a surprise to everyone, I think. It, it was almost one of those cases of you just really don't even know what's going on behind closed doors. Totally. And really, even when they opened the doors on Sunday and let out the inactives, you kind of still don't even know what the heck they were doing because Matt Breed is kind of the exact same thing as Devin Singletary um, in terms of uh, – I mean, he's not quite as shifty, but he's still a smaller, speedy back. Uh, Rates is one of the fastest players in the league, uh, which you can find room for a player like that in your lineup, of course. But you also kind of, when your other back is Devin Singletary, you'll think, okay, we're going to find a spot for Zach Moss as well. And he was my fantasy football sleeper of the year. I have him on two of my, I have him on two of my three teams. I'm still hanging. Rough start. Yeah, yeah, I'm still hanging on to him though because eventually he's going to get touches and he's going to get him in. The red zone, I believe, um, but that's that was my that was my reasoning for thinking that he's going to be the the dark horse. I think a lot of people foresaw that Devin Singletary might be getting a good workload, especially you know before the goal line, before the red zone. But those touchdowns should come for Zach Moss. He's even been a passing threat a bit in the red zone, and maybe that was something the Bills missed out on too because their red zone offense was was not good on the day either. They only got one score. I believe maybe it was one for four on the day in the red zone or something like that. Maybe that was just the first half, but uh, regardless, they only, you know, not a great day, not a great day for the bills um, early on in the red zone. And they really just let Steelers hang out, hang around. Uh, first time in franchise history for the Steelers that they were down by 10 plus um, an opening day and, and won the game. Uh, they were own 14 before that. And Wonderful that it came against the Buffalo Bills, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think one, the, the thing that surprised me most about Zach Moss was that I, I do love Devin Singletary. I think he brings he brings an element to the game. I mean, he, he ripped off that nice 25-yard run. That's good. But this game, wasn't this always kind of felt, Nick, like a physical, tough, you know, you're going to have to go out. It's like a... It's a tough game, and Singletary, like you get a you get a one arm on him, he's going down. Right, he's not gonna fight through contact very often. Devin Singletary, that's not really his uh, his mo out there. So it's like I didn't know if Singletary's style really fit the game plan. Now he had a fine game. I think he got what seventy five yards, eleven carries, or something like that. It was something close to that. So he was fine, but this game like didn't really suit the Devin Singletary style. And I just, I just want to know. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes with Zach Moss. Like he did, what did he do to Sean McDermott to get in his doghouse? You know what I mean? There's some, something's going on there. Yeah, I don't know if it's maybe them sending a message or whatever, but it's, it's almost uh, ironic, or I don't want to say ironic. I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is, Ryan. I'm gonna be honest with you, but uh, you, Brookie Basham was also inactive on yeah, the game day too, one. and yep. no, and nobody's talking about him because Zach Moss was inactive. Uh, it's just uh, some surprising inactives on the day. Uh, the Bills do have a deep defensive line, but. You know, I, I think as people became so accustomed to AJ Epinesa being scratched for some time last year as a second round pick, uh, second round rookie, I should say, that now, oh, it's okay, Boogie's scratched. But I mean, that's that's a difference making draft pick uh, area where they picked up Boogie and that guy was on the bench. And same thing with Zach Moss, third round pick, a uh, guy who towards the end of last year started to get run. Um, not as a starter, Singletary was always out there, but. I guess the word we're looking for, Ryan, would be hot hand, right? The Bills right. always go, yep. we're going to go with the hot hand. He was the hot hand last year at the end of the year. Ankle injury, he battled a hamstring issue, 
And Sean McDermott, he had his opportunity, and I know it's not a week on the Bills Wire podcast without me reading between the lines on a Sean McDermott comment, <laughs> but he did say, why was Zach Moss scratched? He said, numbers. He didn't say he's battling back. He could have he loosened up the, the narrative and said hey, he's battling back from injury. You know, he, 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 we want him to get a little bit more practice in. No, he said it's just numbers. So, so to me, he, that signals he's, he's lower on the depth chart. Yeah, he's behind <laughs> so he's Matt Breida. Like, really? Yeah. Is that what happened? That's yeah. Weird. Tough day for the coach. Tough day for the quarterback putting the ball on the ground. Tough day for the offensive line. Uh, so the offense overall struggled. What about the defense? I want to ask Nick about that side of the football a little bit. They did okay, right? Should we blame the defense for this one? I don't know. Let's get into that coming up next. But first, Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com with his Fantasy Plays of the Week. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week number two of the fantasy football season. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays to get your season rolling right along. Quarterback Joe Burrow at the Chicago Bears. Some people might be immediately turned off by the name the Chicago Bears with the association of a one strong, proud defense. Forget about that. Last week, Los Angeles Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford obliterated this defense and showed the blueprint of how to take advantage of the young cornerbacks who are actually a liability, especially against play-action passing. Take note. Bengals head coach Zach Taylor is a Sean McVay disciple, so you can be sure that he was watching how this one unfolded. Green Bay Packers running back A.J. Dillon versus the Detroit Lions. The Packers returned to Lambeau Field after getting smacked in the mouth by the New Orleans Saints in Jacksonville. While he saw only five touches in the blowout loss, Dillon generated 26 yards of offense. Detroit has been one of the worst defenses of running backs in some time. We saw that play out last week with San Francisco backups taking full advantage of the situation. Look for an angry Packers offense to get up big, which could mean a lot of Dylan running out the clock late in the game. Denver Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick at the Jacksonville Jaguars should be an interesting matchup for gamers to take a chance on. Wide receiver Jerry Judy has a high ankle sprain and he has been placed on short-term IR. Patrick caught all four of his targets last week for 39 yards and a touchdown. While I'm a little skeptical that he may have some competition for touches given the area of the field he tends to operate within, owners looking for a PPR flex, especially anyone who lost Judy, should give Patrick a look. Los Angeles Chargers tight end Jared Cook versus the Dallas Cowboys. While Cook is no Gronk, he still has a pretty good matchup ahead. Dallas made some changes at linebacker in the offseason, and sure, they've gotten faster, but it looks like they're still not completely on the same page. Additionally, Los Angeles has the weapons to spread out this defense, which could leave Cook with a lot of room to operate in the middle of the field. He also benefits if running back Austin Eckler once again isn't involved in the passing game. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please go check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522. 4700 in Colorado. All right, Nick, when I look at this game and kind of go over it, it's like I don't want to blame the defense, right? The Steelers, they didn't have a great day on offense either, did they? They were 4 of 12 on third down. They only gained 250 yards of total offense, only ran 55 plays. The Bills had 79, and they only got 16 points from their offense because the special teams touchdown is what really put the game away, right? So, uh, they still won this game by a touchdown. I just think it's it, it's a baffling kind of box score to go through, and to, when you kind of peel through the play by play and stuff, it's just uh, 
the Steelers were so crappy on offense too that it was just like, man, how did the Bills lose this one by a touchdown? It's it's a baffling game. You could be a little, um, I don't want to say it's subjective, but the, the Bills defense played good for like 75% of the game. It, late in the game, the only knock you can really say, Ryan, is they, they need a stop that they just didn't get. Yeah. I mean, there's just a couple times where even, I mean, you, you saw Chase Claypool go, go up and snatch one from Tredavious White. Um, Deontay Johnson made a heck of a catch uh, in the end zone over Levi Wallace. Um, but there was just late. Late in the game where the Bills needed to get a stop, they didn't get a stop. But let's not shy away from the overriding factor here that the team did put up only 16 points. And in the NFL nowadays, plus that punt, that block punt, that was that was not the defense's fault. You know, They weren't out there for that. That was the, that was the game-winning score, essentially, and the defense was not out there for No, you blame the punter for that on Bills Wire, which I thought was kind of, kind of mean, right? <laughs> okay, so... Okay, so I wasn't um, – folks, I, it's not Matt Hawk's fault. Well, I know. But I couldn't put, like, five offensive linemen's name in there. So I guess – You could have it. in this game. I, yeah, I could have. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – it, it wasn't his fault totally. Someone did respond on Facebook because, you know, Facebook is the best place to get your coverage from. But uh, – uh, it was uh, somebody said they, they thought they got the punt off slow, but I mean, come on, I, the guy was right in his face. I couldn't put the name of five blockers, folks, but it was t- there was such an ugly play, and the Bills even themselves, they're them on special. They were about a foot away from getting their hand on a block punt too in that game. So it was really crazy three phase game against the Steelers last week. But we're drifting away from the problem here as, as a topic here as we usually do because of me, not you, Ryan. But uh, the uh, yeah, the uh, the defense was good for most of it. I I, I wish they would have got some stops late. I wish they would have got some turnovers. But it would have been nice if Josh Allen would have put some more points up. It would have been nicer if in his fourth year now, he would figure out how to stop putting the ball on the ground. But, I don't know, the defense, pretty good. Pretty yeah, good yeah. start. No, I think I, I like the way you put it because when you look at the box score, it might be a little bit more misleading, right? It looks like when you look at the Steelers' numbers that the Bills kind of had a really good day on defense. But you're right. They didn't stop the bleeding in that second half when the Steelers made their little comeback. They weren't able to get that stop. I think that's a, a perfect way to put it. And they also picked on Levi a little bit. Because um, he was he was targeted a team high ten times. I guess that's life when you play opposite Trey White, right? Uh, you know, you have a lockdown corner and you're Levi, and you're on the opposite side. You're going to get targeted more. But man, the Steelers really were were picking on Levi in this one. Yeah, it's something that he's almost used to now, though, right? I mean, he knows what it's like to play across from Tre'Davious White. Um, I mean, he's he's not a spectacular guy, and I feel like he gets a lot of flack that's really unwarranted. But I mean, the, the Steelers do have a pretty solid depth chart when it goes to wide receiver. You, you can find much worse in the NFL, of course. Definitely. And I thought I thought Levi held his own okay. Room for improvement. You wish he would have made it a play on that touchdown ball, but it is what it is. He, of course, he's going to get targeted. Uh, the another, the only other game I think he might not be targeted the most is maybe when they play the Chiefs because there's a guy by the name of Travis Kelsey on the other side. Yeah, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't know when else. That's just the life of being Levi Wallace and playing across from Tre'Davious White. Yeah, so that's that's kind of how we described it. It is what it is with this week. It's just we got to hope that it was just um, just a dud, and that we're still kind of getting up to speed. And it's a tough matchup in the first game. I don't think the Steelers played a perfect game either. It was kind of an ugly game, kind of I guess kind of what we expected. 
They didn't come out firing all cylinders. Hopefully that changes this week. You got a got a Miami team here that is uh, leading the AFC East. Dolphins, the only AFC team, the only AFC East team to win in Week One, Nick. So let's get into this matchup here a little bit coming up. But first, our friends at the Sportsbook Wire are going to give us their play of the week. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of sportsbookwire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast here with my colleague, as always, Jeff Clark, breaking down the Sunday night football matchup for week two between the Kansas City Chiefs and the host Baltimore Ravens. Ravens, plus 160, home underdogs, Chiefs minus 200, Baltimore plus three and a half on the spread. Jeff, is that interesting to you coming off their overtime loss against the Raiders? Yeah, this is a buy-low spot for the Ravens. It's getting through the key number of three. Got three in the hook. Lamar was terrible last week throwing the ball, but Cleveland was able to run the ball all over Casey's defense. I think Lamar and Baltimore does the same. I think he passes a little bit better against his weak Kansas City defense, and I think Baltimore's defense improves after their stinker against the Raiders and Derek Carr. I'll take the three and a half with the Ravens. How about you? Patrick Mahomes is 3-0 against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. 34-21 win in Baltimore last week. That's good enough for me. I'm siding with the Chiefs, minus 3.5. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Nick. It's definitely a bounce back spot for the Bills, I feel like, in this game. I feel like they're they're better than the Dolphins, right? I mean, you know, the Dolphins, Tua, he's a pretty good quarterback. But he's not great, right? And their, their weapons on offense, yeah, you know, I like Devontae Parker. Like, that's fine. But eh, they're, they're, they're not great, right? They're good, but not great. And their defense is... Yeah, they got some good coverage guys, Xavier Howard, but they're not great, right? So I don't think the Miami is great in any phase, and I think the Bills should be angry and should come back and maybe lay fifty six points on them again, like they did a week six, uh, week seventeen last year, right? So, what's your leadoff take on this matchup, and and how much pressure is on the Bills to win in Miami this week and and not go to zero and two? Yeah, there certainly is a degree of pressure, and I think 56 points would get the job done. Yes, folks. they would. Yes, so yes, if, they would like, yeah. if they would like to do that, uh, by all means, please, Bills. It'll make my job easier. I'll be able to write up my five takeaways by <laughs> third quarter. It'll be great. But that's just probably not realistic, especially against uh, – well, the Dolphins, the difference is probably that we're definitely going to, in some way, shape, or form, I would bet my entire life savings on them blitzing more than one time, as the Steelers did. <laughs> And I kind of saw some messages and did the Steelers figure out how to stop Josh Allen by blitzing, by only throwing three or four guys at him? I I mean, can you name a quarterback in the NFL that's not going to struggle when the other team's getting a pass rush with only three guys and dropping eight in coverage? Not every every defense has Cam Hayward and uh, TJ Watt either. Yeah, like, duh. (laughs) Like, come on, guys. It's going to be different this week, at least in that aspect. Searching for content when you have a daily show, you know? I know. I'm like, I saw a few people on Twitter too. I'm like, did they get the, did they get the secret on how to beat Josh Allen? I'm like, what, you could get the secret on how to beat any quarterback ever to play in the NFL. Yeah, right. like, what a, stop Tom like, Brady take, if you rush three and get there every time. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, am I taking crazy pills? That's why this Chiefs lost the Super Bowl last year. They didn't have any offensive linemen and Mahomes couldn't do anything. Exactly. But anyways, anyways, fine. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is definitely a, a, 
a degree of pressure, I think, for the Bills, and I think it's a degree of pressure in terms of, and we mentioned it last week too, uh, as we often do with the profit that we are, that the Steelers have given the Bills fits early in games for the past three straight years. They've started slow, the Bills, that is, against the Steelers every time in the Josh Allen era. Um, 56 points dictates uh, they do not start slow against the Dolphins. So I think there is a degree of pressure for the Bills to start quickly, uh, to get a little momentum early. And, and as long as that happens, in a sense, they get at least a little bit of a rhythm going. I think all, all pressure is off. But to going going in it right now, midweek to week two, uh, yeah, there is. Who would have who thought that the Dolphins would be alone 1-0? It's even a little bit more uh, – I think it would be a little bit more welcome than um, – if you're if your Patriots were one and zero, it's like the people would go, oh, the Patriots are one and zero. Of course they won, but now folks are going, oh, the Dolphins here. Well, the it, Dolphins are here. Well, the Patriots would have had a better shot, Nick, if they took the freaking trading wheels off the rookie quarterback and just let him play. But no, 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 we're gonna yeah. run. We're gonna run the ball. I think it was twelve runs out of the first seventeen plays because Mac Jones had to, <laughs> they had to ease him in, Nick. They couldn't help them, so they had to ease him in. I was so frustrated watching that game. Uh, yeah. But anywho, you know. Did I just say anywho? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love the anywho. Yeah, it's great. You know, like I said, I, the, the Dolphins, they just don't, they don't really scare you like the Steelers did. I, you might remember last week, I took the points. I thought six and a half points were too much to, to give the Steelers, and I, I took the points and, and that spread. But I think when I look at this one on the Typico Sportsbook app, the Bills are uh, they're giving away three and a half points, so three and a half point favorites in Miami. I don't know if I can bet the Bills fast enough at that number. Um, I'm just not a big believer in the Dolphins, and it seems like a get-right spot for the Bills. And I expect them to bounce back and uh, win this one handily, Nick. Yeah, I uh, actually just was on another Dolphins podcast, uh, the, uh, the Finsider, um, or on the Finside, excuse me. Uh, like Catch your name. It's a good name. Uh, Catch your name, yeah. Good, good guys there, Cat and Paul. But uh, they um, – this game, for me, Ryan, it comes down to one guy and one guy only. And you can say this every single week for the Bills, but Josh Allen, of course, is going to make a difference. But Josh Allen has like a thing for the Dolphins. He's had the Offensive Player of the Week six times in his career. Three have come against the Dolphins. And if it wasn't for a Charles Clay drop in the end zone, which it was kind of debatable, uh, it was they chucked up a prayer at the end of the game. Uh, Charles Clay had to run in for it, and he dove, but the ball hit him in the hands in the in that end zone. And he didn't call haul it in in that last play of the game. And if he catches that, Josh Allen to this day would have never lost against the Dolphins in his career. <laughs> Something when he plays that team is like the the sights are on killing the Dolphins. I don't know what happened to Josh Allen's upbringing in South Beach, but he hates the Dolphins for some reason. And I, I know I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, but Bills fans will agree with me and that this guy plays his best football against the Dolphins for some reason. And, I, and three and a half points, I mean, come on, that's – that's too. That's too easy. I agree. I agree with you last week. I was wrong last week in taking the points, obviously. But uh, yeah, um, yikes! I'd, I'd watch out about the Dolphins. I, I I know you guys are leading the uh, leading the division right now, but Josh Allen. Again, I don't know what they did to him. I don't know what they did to this guy. And the over is actually 5-0 and in the last five meetings between the Bills and Dolphins, so it's always the over. It helps when you score 56, Nick. That helps. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that big, <laughs> big 56, uh, 56 number. But, yeah, uh, yeah, but the total this week is 48.5. So, so I think the big question is, I think the Bills are going to come out and score some points. But I, I wonder about the Dolphins, right? Like, the Dolphins scored 17 against the Patriots, and that was enough to win, unfortunately. That was enough to win. Again, the Patriots, they're still running the football right now. They're, they're, they're still trying to scheme a way to get Damian Harris in that end zone. It didn't work. Maybe we should try throwing the ball. Throw the ball. Anywho, 
I did it again. Anywho, uh, but you know, I just don't know how much the Dolphins are going to score. They didn't score a ton against the Patriots, and even if the Bills score thirty-two, Nick, if the Dolphins only score sixteen or something like that, then you're not even get, you're not going to hit the over, right? So thirty-two to sixteen, I could see it got to be in a, a score like that, but that's forty-eight. That's not the over. So I want to pick the over. The, the trend tells me to pick the over, but I, I have a little bit of pause because I don't know what Miami's offense is going to bring to the table and the bills did a pretty good job defensively against the Steelers again they didn't let up a ton of points they you know maybe they could have got off the field a few times in that second half but they did do a good job holding them the field goals so I don't know it's, it's a tough call I'm leaning over but for some reason it's you know it's a little bit of a it's a scarier bet than the uh than the spread right I'm way more comfortable betting the the spread at three and a half that I am taking the over yeah, definitely, definitely. I, 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 this is definitely, as you said, I think it was a get-right game for the Bills. Yep. Uh, it's almost like a get-great game for the Bills, to be honest. Again, because of Josh Allen, I, I, I think that the Bills' offense is gonna, gonna, gonna click a little bit better. Um, Josh Allen's pretty good against the blitz, and the Steelers didn't have to do that. Uh, the Dolphins kind of more live on blitzing than the Steelers do. Obviously, the Steelers don't live on it literally at all. So um, it's uh, I think that's going to pay dividends for the Bills and the, the, the spread for sure. Even though you know fifty six by itself would have been, would, it, it makes you think for a second at it, least, right? It does. It does. I mean, if you're betting it, you're you're probably betting the over because you just know that the Bills are gonna they're they're not happy. They're, they're this is this is a game where they're gonna come out and score some points. There's no doubt about it. So you know if you like the pod. We appreciate you and make sure you find us on your phone and subscribe and leave a review and find us on Twitter and let us know what you want to hear. We're happy to be uh, a voice of the people and talk about whatever Bills fans are looking to hear about. So that's that. Uh, Nick, you want to say bye to the people this week? Uh, yeah, please rate, review, subscribe, do all that. Um, I hear that we get better ratings if you unsubscribe than resubscribe. So if you guys even <laughs> want to do that, like, I mean, please, please go for it. Whatever helps our numbers. We'll talk exactly. To you. We'll talk to you all next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.